Like uh, Maxine Waters, I I I I feel like it, but I don't have any proof. But I got my uh, IV out today, six weeks of antibiotics for some kind of infection I have, and I do believe the Democrats infected me somewhere along the the line. I can't prove it, but I feel like it. I just I I really do. I feel like it. Isn't that right, Liz? I feel like it. That makes it true. <laughs> You're right. The Maxine Waters, you know, <laughs> I don't have the facts. I believe it, though. Yeah. Well, hmm. Didn't we just sum up the last three years we've gone through the Democrats' playbook? doesn't matter if it's true. They believe it. And, uh, yes, they do. They're putting the country through, you know, all this division and all this neat, un- unnecessary uh, disruption for what? All because they lost an election. It's it's really sad. I had to laugh today when Pelosi was doing her uh, news conference. I was actually at home watching it. And somebody asked her, well, what is a fair trial? And she says, I'm not answering that. That's a Republican talking point. <laughs> is it, is yeah, that you know, not unbelievable? A fair trial would not be what we saw in the House. And no. Of course she doesn't uh, have an answer for that. She doesn't know what a fair trial means. I mean, a fair trial would, uh, I don't know, a right to an attorney present, a uh, right to call witnesses, uh, unless you had the approval of Adam Schiff, one of the most corrupt politicians in the swamp. It's a complete joke. And, you know, what happened to Pelosi? This is so urgent. We can't wait for the election to let the people decide who their president's going to be. We got to do this now. And, and now she, all of a sudden she's going to uh, withhold the impeachment and just sit on it uh, until she gets her quid pro quo, what she wants from the Senate. It's a complete disgrace. It's incoherent. It is such a sham. And it's really, they've embarrassed themselves. Uh, but they're going to pay for it next year at the ballot box. Well, they're already paying for it. Yesterday, the the RNC uh, got about $12 million in. Right. Uh, We've seen $20 million raised in November. Uh, It's unheard of for a November, a year before an election, uh, not an election year. It's absolutely uh, amazing that because people see this for what it is. And, you know, they're so sick and tired of these Democrats who are just so disingenuous. Nancy Pelosi having to, you know, her stern finger uh, get her caucus in line when they wanted to break out in cheers after their vote last night. This is not a solemn, prayerful ordeal. We'd have a lot more respect for you if you were just honest about what this is about. You've been dreaming of this. You would do anything necessary to do it. And uh, we see through that. And there's only one person in Washington, one party, that actually respects the voters and respects the will of the people. That's President Trump, and that's the Republican Party. His letter to Nancy Pelosi just laid it all out there, and it's so, so true. 
he said the voters are wise. They see the dangerous political game you're playing. Uh, you will never hear those words come out of a Democrat's mouth because they do not have a high opinion of the American voter. They don't like the way you voted. They were working day in and day out to overturn that vote. Uh, and they, they're not, they'll never stop. They just want their power. And it's absolutely a disgrace that they've used uh, what's supposed to be the unique and rare power of impeachment. Uh, they've used it, just weaponized the House to use it as a mere political weapon against their opponents and against uh, an election result they never accept, accepted. All right. So the uh, speaker is holding the uh, articles of impeachment and refuses to send them to uh, Mitch McConnell. McConnell said they're cowards. He also said that they had a weak case, and they, he also went on to say that they're going to lose. I thought it was really hilarious when they said that he was a rogue leader and that he had already made his mind up when they had over half of their own caucus had, had uh, voted for impeachment months ago. And who's obstructing Congress? I mean, Nancy Pelosi's holding the whole body hostage, uh, and not allowing the Senate to do its constitutional job, which is to try yes. impeachments. It is such a farce. They they have no idea what they're doing. She's making up the rules as they've gone gone along. She backed her caucus into a far left corner, calling for impeachment before she had even seen the evidence. Uh, seen the transcript. It is such a disgrace what they've doing. They've what they've been doing. They manufactured this impeachment sham. It was a complete one-sided ordeal run by Adam Schiff, who lied for over two years about collusion. Now he's lying about the so-called whistleblower, and he's lying about the phone call with Ukraine. Well, we can all read it for ourselves, yep. and it's amazing because they had complete control over this process. And they still failed to prove their case. You know how I know? There's no quid pro quo. There's no mention of bribery. There's no extortion. The articles of impeachment don't mention any of that. Nope. They fundamentally failed to do their job. They've lost the people. The polls are abysmal. This was a poll-tested, focus-grouped impeachment. Well, how are those polls looking now for you, Nancy? Cling to that gavel because you won't have it much longer. Yeah, I went to Real Clear Politics today, and they have all the polling data about which way the polls were leaning during the uh, impeachment hearings. And the, the, the needle moved, Liz, but it all moved towards the president, all positive yeah. for the president. Let me ask you a question. Liz Harrington is our guest from the RNC. Always a pleasure to have her on with us. This lady don't hold back. I ask her a question, <laughs> she'll give me an answer. The Purple District Democrats, there's 31 of them. What did Pelosi hold over their heads to get them all to walk lockstep and fall on their swords? That's the question, right? Let's see what cushy uh, deals they get for their district, what cushy uh, campaign or committee assignments. You know, it's just like with all the shady things they did uh, to Obama to get Obamacare, which was also right around Christmas. Remember that? It was. They did that on Christmas Eve. Uh, absolute corrupt politicians. But remember, oh, that was, you know, you had to pass it to find out what was in it. Well, now we had to impeach him before we found out what we were impeaching him for. And uh, they absolutely, just like that backfired with Obamacare uh, and they lost 
uh, the House that time, Nancy Pelosi, the first time she lost her speaker's gavel. It's going to happen again because it's totally backfiring. She's making all these so-called moderates in these swing districts vote uh, and completely make it clear that they lied to get into office. Mm-hmm. They, they said they weren't about impeachment. Oh, they wanted to work across the aisle. You got to buckle down and, you know, do bipartisan deals and all this nonsense. Well, what would they do? They turned the House of, of Representatives into an impeachment crusade. That's all they've been doing from day one. That's all they've been after. Endless investigations. They've turned it uh, into just a political arm for the Democrats. It's an absolute disgrace. It's a waste of our time. It's a waste of our money. But people will remember, and they'll see it. And it's a major overreach. And just like they overreached in creating a huge another government entitlement program and uh, messed with our health care back in 2010, now they're overreaching and trying to overturn our votes for nothing, for an absolute Nothing. And people will remember and, uh, you know, they they might enjoy their new committee assignments and whatever they get for their district. But, hey, they'll be looking for a new job come November. And their silver lining is that this Trump economy is so good, they shouldn't have any uh, trouble finding one. Yeah, they should be able to find a job uh, at least. Uh, I have to say that I was really proud of the House Republicans and the valiant fight that they put up when they knew it was all in a losing cause. And then... I'm really proud of Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham, uh, two people who in the past at times have been a little wobbly once in a while. Not this time. These guys suddenly found titanium, you know, backbones. It's amazing. It's it's amazing what happens when you have such rock solid leadership at the top. You know, President Trump has been fighting for us from the very beginning. And this is unified Republicans like we've never seen because they know what's at stake here. Mm-hmm. And look what the Democrats are doing to our country. Look what they're doing to the Constitution. They want to just completely overturn our votes. It's been a complete sabotage, resistance from within, uh, leaking, lying, smearing, spying. Uh, it's been an utter disgrace what they've done to this man. And he did nothing wrong, you know. Last night at that rally, it was a little, you know, uh, I'm upset. You know, you look at what's happened. A lot of our voters are upset. They're voting with their wallets. But you put it all in context and you think about what this man went through. He didn't have to do this. Nope. Uh, he came from the outside. He said, I don't like the, the direction our country's headed in. We need to make America great again. He gave up everything. He gave up, you know, good press coverage that he had for decades in New York City. He pulls off the impossible. What they said he could not do uh, proved them all wrong. The most amazing upset in our, our history when it comes to politics. And what did everyone do? What did the Democrats do? What did the media do? They didn't say, oh, our bad. We got that wrong. Uh, you know, we missed that one. No, they said, you stole it. And you're a Russian stooge, and you're discredited, and you're illegitimate. And it's really been disgusting. It was a Hillary Clinton lie smear campaign that they used to to get him out of office. That was all it was about. You know, it, it was the insurance policy. And it's really sick what they did. So for two years, we spent chasing down Hillary Clinton's lies that were made up out of thin air, in that dossier for two years, $32 million, put the country through hell. And then President Trump's not allowed to spend two minutes saying, 
Well, how did that happen? A lot of it has to do with Ukraine. Let's get to the bottom of it. That's what they're impeaching him for. It's absolutely a disgrace. Uh, and we got to defend him and we got to keep unified because this is what is at stake. They're trying to take away our votes. It's really not even about President Trump. It's about the people who put him there. And they have utter contempt for us. They have utter contempt for what we believe in. And they're trying to, to take away our voice. And we cannot let that happen. All right, Liz, I just want to ask you two more questions. And I'll let you go because I know you got another interview coming up very shortly. As far as Giuliani goes, uh, Graham says he'll put him in front of his committee, that's the judiciary, coming up after the beginning of the year, after they've gotten the trial over with. And it's I've been reading some really interesting stories that Giuliani may have the goods on the Bidens. Are you hearing anything? We'll see what he has. But, you know, what they're doing, they're smearing him. I mean, this is a man who brought New York City uh, back. He, he was led it after 9-11, a true patriot, great prosecutor, uh, great uh, pedigree and record. All he was doing is defending his client. And we'll see. I, I have faith in Giuliani. Uh, he's a good man. He's a decent man. Uh, and we'll see. You know, that's the whole thing. You know, everyone else is George Kent. He's allowed to say, hey, whoa, Back in 2015, what's Hunter Biden? What's your son doing on this board of this corrupt natural gas company? He's got no experience. What's the deal here? Uh, and, and, oh, Vice President Joe Biden didn't have the bandwidth at the time. If George Kent is allowed to bring it up, why isn't President Trump allowed to bring it up? It's a completely absurd standard that the Democrats are saying you can enter into as many shady foreign business dealings, enrich your family, uh, use the taxpayer as to enrich yourself, and that's what it, he was withholding billion dollar in aid. Uh, that's our money. I mean, those loan guarantees, that's us. That's backed by the U.S. taxpayer. He's using that as a way, as a means to uh, protect his son, who has no business being in Ukraine. Hey, the whole thing stinks. The whole thing, quote, sounds terrible to me. And that's all President Trump said. But I, it would not surprise me uh, what Giuliani finds, because look, it's the same old game. What are Democrats accuse you of? What they've done. It was quid pro Joe. It was their collusion. It was their digging up foreign fake dirt. It was their election interference. It always is. Uh, and the truth, I think, will come out. All right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's got something because I, these articles I've read that he is quoted in and these tapes that he has already made that he has put out there basically – lay out a pretty solid case of money laundering by the Bidens. It's just unbelievable. It would not surprise me. Everyone knows he's crooked. It's the swamp. It's what we voted against in 2016. It's what we're going to vote against in 2020. Uh, it is absolutely the swamp. And we're so sick of these corrupt politicians who never worked a day in their life. He's been in the swamp for 50 years. He Even his own, by his own admission, I've never made an honest paycheck in my life, held an honest job. Mm-hmm. And this guy... He used the power of office to enrich himself. You know, President Trump is the complete opposite. He's lived the American dream, and he wants everyone else to live the American dream. That's why they're fighting him. They can't stand it, and they have no idea how to beat him, and that's why they're doing this. But guess what? They still haven't figured it out, and everything they try backfires big time. Well, I've, I really believe, Liz, that we're going to take the House back. And uh, we're going to win the White House next year. I believe that as well. 
And I can't wait to watch Nancy Pelosi have to hand over the gavel. I cannot wait to see that. You know, it's 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 not going to hurt President Trump's legacy. It's going to hurt her. Oh yeah, she just sealed her legacy right here as being one of the worst speakers we've ever had. Yeah, corrupt. Liz Harrington, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. We'll talk to you oh, down the road. Absolutely. Merry Christmas. Same to you now. All right. So Liz Harrington, she's a great lady. Yeah. She she can lay it out. I'm just saying. She. I. That's the first time I heard quid pro Joe. That's the first time I heard that one, and it makes sense, and, it, and it, there's a lot of truth to it. Let's get our break in. Ed Monk is here. I've got some things I want him to talk about. Uh, we will talk about guns for the military on base because uh, he's got some interesting stories about that. And we're going to he's, – uh, you know, he's a guy who used to teach the Constitution and stuff. We're going to talk about what Nancy Pelosi is doing as far as that. Phone lines are open, 8230965 for your calls. You can call us if you're listening on the radio. You can call us if you're watching on Facebook. Remember, if you want to watch instead of just listen, go to Facebook.com slash The Dave Ellswick Show. All right, Ed Monk is here. Ed, real quick, I want you to share with the listeners, and you did this the other day a tad when you were on the show on Monday and you're, you're concerned that when the election comes up again, uh, in November of next year, that the people who put these Democrats in office will put them right back in office again. The only thing that I think is different is that you have several of that 31 that are in purple areas some of them carried those areas by two or three percentage points a good percentage of them i mean we're talking 30 and 40 votes i and they they were getting a lot of heat during all of this i think they're done i think they're out of here next november uh what's your thought about that i i think a few a few will probably pay a price. Uh, I hope a lot of them pay the price. I hope all 31 but, pay the price. Um, Make them walk the plank because that's what Nancy Pelosi did. I think people on our side of the political spectrum far too often blame the politicians and not the people who put the politicians there. So if you just look at Facebook, there's all this hatred for Nancy Pelosi. Well, Nancy Pelosi is just the symptom of, of, of the disease. The disease is the people in her district uh, that think the way they do, that vote the way they well, do. Well, they were, they, and she's in a district that is solidly, and I do mean solidly, blue. Yeah. It is as liberal as it comes. So they're going to put her back in. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, they'll lose a few. I hope they lose a lot, but hope is not a method. Um, and I think the ones that are solidly blue, like Pelosi and others, they could torture kittens with Bic lighters on the internet live and they would still get reelected. That's how corrupt their districts are. But I think they see the few in the purple districts. If they lose one or two or three or five, they're just they're acceptable losses. They're just acceptable losses. They got what they want, and what they wanted uh, was weeks and weeks and weeks of twenty-four hour negative coverage against Trump. People say that you know they're trying to overturn the election of two thousand sixteen. No, they're not. They knew going in that Trump's not going to get removed by by a, 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 a trial after impeachment. 
they were not trying to overturn the election of 16. What they're trying to do is prep for the election of 2020. If to pay for 24-hour Democratic commercials on TV, 24 hours a day for weeks and weeks and weeks, no one can afford that. But if they hold impeachment for weeks and weeks and weeks, they get 24-hour negative coverage on Trump. They get it for free. The media plays along. That's what they're after, I think. Well, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying there. I just think it's going to just completely backfire on them. And I hope it does. And, I, you know, I if I had to bet, I'd probably bet the last election would have went the other way. Glad I was wrong. All right. Here's the news. Okay, so several times here on my show, we have talked about military and fire and firearms when i was in the uh, the military you couldn't walk around uh carrying a gun that that was prohibited if you had a firearm and you came back to base and i had a guy from the navy call up and uh, we talked about this one tuesday you had to normally when you checked in you would tell the, the person who was there in charge that you had your weapon and they would take it from you and they would put it in the armory, give you the necessary paperwork so you could get it back or whatever. Uh, Ed, I think that's crazy. I think that if you have your own, your own gun, you should, and especially you're in the military, you've been trained how to use a, a weapon and, and whatnot. You should be able to securely carry that on base. But the military doesn't see it that way. What do you think is going on on this? What What is the military's logic of all of this? I think it's similar to if I own a car company and uh, my people come to me and say, hey, we found this, you know, we didn't try to make this flaw, but we found this flaw, engineering failure, and, and it's probably going to cause some wrecks in the braking system. It's going to cause some wrecks, going to kill some people. So we'll have to pay out lawsuits that, that total this amount of money. If we do a recall to try to correct the problem, it'll cost a lot more. So we don't do the recall. We let the accidents happen. And it's just it's just a we'd rather have the wrecks than do the recall. I think the military is a control-based organization. And commanders in charge of units and commanders in charge of military bases, because in my experience, all the bases have a commander that just control the base. And they make policies for that base. They want control. And if a soldier over in that unit on my base, or, or 20 of them, gets murdered because of a, a, a active shooter, whether it's a radical Islam attacker or just a criminal attack, he's not my soldier. I just control the base, and so I make the rules. And I think that's all it is. And yeah. I think people, we talk about guns. They see it as guns, like it's some item, like a lucky rabbit's foot. Are you able to carry this around with you? We're talking about the right of self-defense. Mm-hmm. We don't carry guns to carry guns. We carry guns to protect our lives. Yeah, it's not to look cool or yep. whatever. It is to be able to, you know, if the you know the problem came up that somebody threatened you with uh, a weapon or whatever, you could use your gun to protect your life. And the lives of others. Yes. Just like the Fort Hood attack, just like the recent Naval Air Station attack, just like the recruiting station attacks in Chattanooga and Little Rock and the ones that we caught before they happen. We know it's out there. And if you ask any military commander, can you protect your soldiers on your base? I mean, protect each one, not just give some element of general protection. They would have to honestly say, no, I cannot protect the lives of every one of my soldiers on and off base. And the problem is when a military base denies soldiers the ability to have a loaded gun for protection on base, 
If that soldier lives off of base, they're also denying that soldier the ability to be protected going to and from work. Because if I can't have it once I get to the military base, I can't have it driving there, and I also can't have it driving home. And we know that uh, radical Islam sources have and continue to try to get sympathetic people in this country to attack what they call soft military targets. Mm -hmm. And one of those on the list is soldiers that are off base, gassing up their car, shopping at Walmart, going to the doctor, whatever, all the stuff they do off base. They're vulnerable because they can't carry. Okay, so let me set this up as we talk. You need to know a few things about Ed. I haven't talked about this in a while. Uh, Ed Monk is a West Point graduate. He is an he was an officer in the United States Army. You were a tank commander, correct? Hey, I was an armor officer, so I was mostly in armor units. Okay, over in the first Gulf War. No, it's uh, Iraqi Freedom. Iraqi Freedom. Yep. Okay, pardon me. And uh, you you've uh, you've served under fire. You've you've served uh, in the military and in various uh, capabilities. So you know what you're talking about when you talk about these rules. Now, when a, a commander came out, I guess it was DOD came out and, and issued a, a, a statement for all branches saying that they were in danger off base and even on base from jihadists. And so you asked the base, or the po- if you were in the Army, so the post commander, yep. if... Uh, if you could carry, and in, in both instances, you were told no. Correct. I attended briefings, uh, first briefing in September of 2000, just outside of D.C. This is while I was a major in my second to my last assignment. Um, no, I'll take a third to last assignment. And in that uh, conference, uh, one of the presenters showed us information. It was unclassified. He said, look, here are uh, t- videos, websites, pamphlets that radical Islam sources are putting out urging sympathetic, radical Islam people inside the United States to target and kill military people uh, on base and off base, specifically talked about soft targets, one of them being recruiting stations and soldiers that are off base. Mm-hmm. Um, so they put us on notice. The, the, we were put on notice that you are in elevated risk of being attacked. They're out there trying to get people to do that. Uh, so shortly after that, in my second to the last assignment, I, I asked for an exception to policy to carry a concealed weapon to protect myself and others and was told no. And then when I got moved to my last assignment, a battalion commander, I, shortly after I took that job, I had to go to another briefing, and it was unclassified. And they told me the same thing, that we've got all this information out there that they are trying to get sympathetic people to attack soldiers, to, to make a political statement. And again, I sent a letter to the post commander saying I want an exception to policy. And of course, this time, I had a license to carry a, a handgun in like eight or nine states. I'd gone to several professional gun training uh, places, and I provided all that information to him, and I got told no. Yeah, he's he brought the letters in today. Yeah, and so my last job, my unit's job, was to travel around the eastern United States, staying hotels, and train reservist and National Guardsmen that were getting called up to go to Iraq. This was 2004 to 2007. So we were in government vehicles with government plates, wearing military uniforms, staying out in hotels, totally open to the public, eating in restaurants, going to gas stations. You know, easy, easy targets had, had someone just wanted to mine to. Okay, now, when you were doing that, you were prohibited from carrying, correct? I was. I lived off post when I was a battalion commander in my last job. Right. So by not being able to legally carry a gun loaded on post, that meant while I drove from my home to work, 
while I was at work and then driving off post to come back to my off post house that I could not carry, could not defend myself. Prohibited from carrying. Amazing. I mean, yeah. it really is amazing. Yeah. And I put, you know, had I been in Iraq uh, and I got told, hey, we have legitimate, verifiable, credible information that you are at much greater risk of having a mortar attack by the enemy. And I did nothing significant to protect my men against that. And I, in fact, got a mortar attack and some of my men were killed. I would have been rightfully relieved of command and possibly prosecuted for dereliction of duty. You probably got court-martialed. And since 2000, commanders in the military, have, including myself, were told, you are at heightened risk. Your soldiers are at heightened risk. We have this credible information that says that they are trying to target your soldiers and we're not doing anything of significant value to protect them. We lose a few at Fort Hood. Well, it's an acceptable acceptable loss. Will you lose a few at Naval Air Station? Well, acceptable loss. Will you lose a few at uh, Recruiting Station? Well, acceptable loss. And I'm not going to mention some of the other targets that were, that that we were given in the information because they haven't happened yet. And I don't want to give anybody ideas, but we are vulnerable. Well, we stopped. We stopped uh, uh, what was going to be a significant terror attack at Fort Dix. Yes. We caught them. They were going to go in in a pizza delivery vehicle. And, and while I was in command in my last job, we got uh, told would they stopped a large group that was going to go around. They had plans. They had guns. They had written up their plans. They were going to go to seven different recruiting stations in the Los Angeles area and shoot everybody in there, and or at least until everybody. they got stopped. Try to kill yeah. everybody. Yeah. Amazing. And still, everybody's afraid to let a well-trained military individual carry. Correct. Well, if even if you have these problems, why are we not why are we not uh, giving weapons to the military people that are on base? I mean, the only people that are getting them are MPs, SPs, and whatever. Yeah, I think most people not in the military don't realize that 99-point-something percent of soldiers on post uh, aren't carrying a military weapon. No. The only time they touch a military weapon is when they get driven out to a range, you know, not on main post, but out somewhere they they. They draw weapons, go out there, and then ammunition shows up out there. They load and shoot their guns on the range in the training area. Ammunition's taken away, and then they bring their weapon back and immediately turn it into the arms room. Yeah, you go to the armory and get a gun. Yeah. You check it out. That's what you get. That's what he means by draw. Yep. You and check it. At 90-plus percent, at least I can, I can talk about the Army, those soldiers aren't trained on or not issued pistols. They're issued rifles. So officers, military policemen, certain members of crews like tanks, I was on— I was an armor. All tank crewmen uh, have pistols because we're 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 crewing a vehicle. We're not meant to fight with rifles. Uh, but enough soldiers are trained on pistols, and we could train more with pistols. Or are those that show that they've gone out on their own and gotten uh, acceptable level of training with pistols? Let them carry on post uh, to protect themselves and protect others. Amazing. All right. Now, what would have happened at Fort Hood if somebody inside that station would have had? some way of fighting back against Hassan. Yep. Three documented soldiers in that uh, deployment center where the the Fort Hood, the first Fort Hood active shooter attacked. Three documented cases of soldiers trying to, to, unarmed, because they had to be unarmed, to fight back. One tried to hit him with a chair, ran at him with a chair, but got shot down because the attacker had a gun and they didn't. Uh, Fighting is the the best way to stop it, but fighting with a gun is is just far superior. It's proven. And that's why when you call the cops, they bring guns. They never show up to an active shooter attack without their guns because they know that's the way, that's that's the best way to stop them. Yeah, I've never seen them show up with knives. Nope. 
They don't leave their Those guns in the car gun, when they it? get told shots fired, active shooter. And they typically show up with guns. They, they come out with, with shotguns and things of that nature. Preferably. They're they're looking to have more firepower than the person who they're going after. Yep. Well, and most active shooters start with a long gun, a rifle or shotgun. So if you're up against him with a pistol, you'll be outgunned, but you probably won't be outskilled. All right. We will be back here in just a moment. Ed Monk's going to be with me until 4 o'clock. Uh, Ed used to be a history teacher, political science teacher. We're going to talk to him about some of the things that are going on in Washington, D.C. right now. But I wanted to get this whole thing about guns out because, to me, it's – and look, I'm a vet. I served nine years, and it never made sense to me. It didn't make sense to me that and, – and, and I was in before this whole jihadist thing was going on, but I was overseas. You got the enemies kind of around you and stuff, and you wonder why you don't get to, you know, be armed. I always ask that question, never got a straight answer about it. Well, I was in Germany from 87 to 91, and then it wasn't the Muslim element. I remember one was the Red Army faction that they kept warning us about. And they there were, from time to time, they would kidnap soldiers, torture yes, them, kill them. Yes, they did. And uh, we weren't allowed to carry uh, the weapons mi- then. Minor but, bo- uh, was it uh, the minor something group? I, there, I know for several a fact. They're the ones that they, the Dutch got on the train and they eliminated yeah. them. I know for a fact several <laughs> soldiers uh, that went out and got ammunition and carried their own personal ammunition when they carried their military weapons for training. Because, Just so they have some bullets. Yeah, because we would tra- where I was, we would travel six hours by vehicle or be on a train to travel to where the training area was from where we were stationed to, to you know fire tanks and do the major stuff that we couldn't do on our own base. And we were we were in a slow moving train that went across Germany. We were very vulnerable. Had a movie about that not too long ago. Uh, we'll take a break. It's a Dave Ellswick show. Ed Monk's my special guest. Robert Steinbach had joined me at four, and uh, you know he's a a professor of law. And we will get into the specifics of what Nancy Pelosi is doing, and it's not constitutionally correct. We'll talk about it. We're going to talk to uh, Ed about it as well. Let's get our final break in, and then we'll come back with more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. And I was just, uh, Ed brought up the Red Army faction, and I was talking about the Bader-Meinhof gang, uh, which were one and the same. That was the same same group. But they they were killed by Dutch military, uh, by their... Uh, their special forces. They went. They got them on a train. Found out that what they were they were going to kidnap people on the train and stuff. And the train came to a stop somewhere along the line. It was out in the field. They they acted like something broke down. And those guys came onto that train and they knew exactly where they were. Not one of them walked off that train. The Dutch all walked off, but the, <laughs> those those terrorists. None of them live to talk about it. That's what we got to do. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's I mean, that's what uh, the Mossad always said when I heard them speak, and they always said they're like rats. You got to kill them. And I told you about that captain, right? Yep. And asked him. He says, "Well, isn't that going to make more terrorists? Aren't their families?" He says, "You kill them too." Yep. You I know can't that, you reason know with evil. You have to kill. Him. Yeah, that hard, it's hard for people to understand that. But there are people that are just evil. Yep. You've got to eradicate people like that. You get, as we would say in the military sometimes, you've got to put some 
bleach in the in the swimming pool. And I think a lot of people don't realize from the other side's point of view, we're evil. That's and right. that's why they are more dedicated to killing us than we are of killing them. Yeah, the the Red Faction was all about making West Germany uh, East Germany. And their ally was the Stasi. The Stasi helped get them weapons and things of that yep. nature. And if you don't know anything about the Stasi, go in and do a little bit of uh, Googling and learn why you don't want to live in a socialist or communist country. Stasi's a real good reason. Those were bad people. Yep. They take you prison. They didn't take you prisoner. They took you to be executed. Yep. That's what going to jail was. Or to, to torture everything they could get out of you before they executed yeah. you. Yeah. Or disappeared you. Yeah, disappear you. That, yeah. That's that's pretty good. Did you see the, the, the special they did on that and how many miles of – they had everybody's phone tapped in East Germany. Well everybody's phone was tapped. I mean, this was, uh, you know, Orwell's – Perfect example of 1984. They were listening to everybody. Yep. They had files on everybody. That that still is incredible to me. And a lot of them, I bet, would say, well, that kept us safe. And I bet they caught some criminals that way. But it, they also made it a place where freedom couldn't be enjoyed, unfortunately. Yeah, you're right. All right, five minutes until 3 o'clock. Ed's going to be back in the next hour. We'll get into a little bit of political speak. Uh, with you we'll talk about what pelosi's doing ed can talk about impeachment he's studied about it he's taught it so we'll talk about that with him and uh, we'll continue here on uh, the dave ellswick show tomorrow jerry cox is going to come on and uh, he's going to talk you know the governor now is all about hate crime legislation it's ridiculous we don't you don't need hate crime legislation you can't hate anybody worse than you want to kill them. I don't care. I don't whether you're you're uh you know uh an, you know somebody who's a native american, you're a black person, you're jewish or whatever, person hates you if they're going to kill you. Just the way it is and killing is an equal opportunity destroyer. So I just think what you really got to do is just make sure that you you, know, you make sure that the laws that you got on the books are taken care of. And I, I'm with Jerry Cox. What worries me is that hate crime starts bordering on thought crime. And speech crime. Yeah, and speech crime. And if, we, if it's a stiffer penalty to kill me than to kill you, then we're not equal. I agree. We are not protected equally. If you'll get a bigger penalty for hurting or killing me than hurting or killing you because I'm left-handed, have purple hair, for whatever reason, my religion, whatever reason, then you and I are not protected equally. Yeah, and that's not the way... It's supposed to be at all. And look, in in Canada, it's already gone so far. For instance, if you're a pastor and you preach against homosexuality, you can be arrested. And you don't think that can happen here? Well, let me take you down to Houston, Texas, a couple of years ago where the mayor in Houston, she's not the mayor any longer, uh, demanded that some pastors who had delivered sermons uh, based on the Bible on homosexuality, were d- they were demanded to turn over their sermons yep. to uh, to the government. Uh, it, it's it's a very slippery slope, and you don't want to give the other side any impetus. Let's just put it that way. Make it easy for them 
to take away your rights. Government's supposed to protect your rights. They're not supposed to, you know, infringe on them or to uh, take them away. It's a, the government is there to protect your God-given rights. Free speech is a God-given right. Even, by the way, if you happen not to like it. That's so right. Dave Ellswick Show, we'll be back with more here in a moment. is where it is right now. But I bet that's not the lead story on all the headlines. No, right now, and I'm looking up, we've got the the news channels up here, and uh, they're talking about the effect of impeachment on the 2020 race. Of course. That's what they're talking about. Anyway, that's that's what they're discussing right now. We're not going to discuss that. We're going to discuss impeachment, uh, but we're going to... Uh, get with Ed and talk a little in depth about this. Hope you don't think it's getting in the weeds. I don't. So consider this your civics class for today. Okay. We're going to talk a little bit. Let me ask you, Ed, and then I'm going to ask Russ the same question. Who was the first president threatened with impeachment? Impeached or threatened with it? Threatened with impeachment. My guess would be Washington. It was Washington. Do you know that, Russ? It was George I was Washington. With Lincoln, but no, it was George Washington. George Washington. And do you know who threatened him with it? Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson did because he wouldn't support the French in their war with the English. He threatened it. Threatened that I'll, I'll I'll impeach you about this. So, that think about that for a second. You know, we look at what's happening right now, and we say, that's a low bar. That's a really low bar. That was just somebody that was angry because of the president's policy. And there's wanted to get him removed from office. Vast difference between a, a, a comment threatening and 
the majority going of those sitting yes. actually voting. That's course. correct. That's, yeah. All right. That that's exactly correct. And the thing about this particular impeachment, which is so terrible, is that it was completely partisan. There was not one Republican vote to impeach the president of the United States. I'm just telling you, if there had been some real, real uh, high crimes and misdemeanors, they would have, you would have seen people from the other party cross over. And you, I know there's there's Democrats out there right now, liberals and lefties going, no, that ain't true, Dave. Well, let me let me take you back to the 70s. Let me take you back to Nixon, all right? He had basically the whole house against him. His own party was basically against him. That's the reason why he resigned. Yeah, my memory is they Republicans went, went over to the White went House, to the White and, house said, and told them, it's, "Buddy, it's we're going we're going to impeach you yeah. if you don't do something." Yeah, it's done. And that's what happened. Cleaning your own house. That's and Nixon had just been overwhelmingly reelected as president. Keep that in mind. So, uh, yeah. Just telling you. Uh, that's the problem with uh, getting in and making this all uh, about, you know, a party. And and the Democrats can't deny this. It's been going on since the man has been elected. They had 100 people already sign on for impeachment to impeach the president of the United States two months ago when Al Green was running his impeachment, uh, you know, legislation i mean he's been the number one out there leading this Uh, he needs to put a skirt on and be a cheerleader i'm just saying unbelievable but uh ed can you take us back look why did the impeachment uh, part of the constitution come to be and i've heard i've read different articles different in fact a book i read ed meese's book on the constitution and he talked about this, and he said it was probably the most uh, contentious part of the Constitution fought over. Would you I, agree with that? Well, I don't think I have enough because I haven't researched that specifically in the uh, in the debates for the Constitution and its ratification. Uh, so I don't really have a good history on how it came about, but. It's just a pressure valve. It's just a way. It checks and balances. It's a way to get rid of. And people think of when the president gets impeached, it makes news because it's so rare, and it gets so much publicity. But we've we've impeached far more judges and other uh, public office holders than we have the president. Uh, so if we impeach somebody, then both both houses of Congress have to be involved, and it takes a super majority to remove. A lot of people think impeachment means removal from office. Impeachment basically is an indictment. It's it's the House charges and then the Senate, if they vote by two-thirds, which is 67 of the 100. So this isn't just 50-50. This, is, it, this takes a super majority to actually remove them. And I urge everybody out there that cares about this, uh, uh, read the Constitution. I ask people when I speak, and they'll think, oh, God, I don't have time to read the whole thing. It's four pages. The, what I used to hand yeah, out to not, my students. Not big. And. It, 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 intentionally, it's very short, and in some cases, it's very 
uh, not detailed. And that's that's what it is here in impeachment. Uh, a lot of the rules that you'll hear about are not in the Constitution. It's just rules that Congress has made. It simply says the House of Representatives shall have the sole power of impeachment, which means they're in charge. And if impeachment is voted for in the House, then the Senate may hold a trial. It doesn't say shall. They don't have to. The Senate doesn't have to hold a trial or even take a vote. So people say this is unconstitutional. I think it goes against what the founders intended, but the House has the sole power of impeachment. There is no checks and balances on the House charging. So if Dave Ellswick is the president and Dave Ellswick sneezes during a meeting, if over 50% of the House votes and says, you sneezing put us at risk, and we think that's an abuse of your power, they can vote and impeach you for sneezing during a meeting, if that's what they think. But all that does is charge you, then it has to go in the Senate. So I think if one party... And the Senate has to vote two-thirds. Two-thirds. To get you out of office. Correct. And all that vote does is remove you from office. They can't send you to prison. They can't fine you. But it does not exempt you from being prosecuted in a criminal trial by a prosecutor, but not not within the Senate. All the vote of the Senate by two-thirds is just to remove you from office. That's all. But it also says if you are removed from office through that vote in the Senate, you cannot hold any other office. So you can never again hold a public office. So if I was the president, and they impeached my vice president and removed him, I can't, I can't put him back in office. I, right. I can't put him in any office uh, right. because they can't do that. So I remember when, when I would teach this, I would talk about the president's powers, and I would say he has to be a, a U.S. citizen 35 years old. Yeah, let, That's it. Let's understand something here. There is, it's in, and it's something that I think is, is uh, not taught enough, and that is separation of powers. Yep. There's the executive. That's the president. The legislative, that's Congress, and then you have the judicial, that's your Supreme yep. Court. That's all the check and balances within our government comes because of those separation of powers. When when the Congress says to the president, you're guilty of, uh, oh, what were they saying about his thing to, to Congress, um, uh it's, he had what was it? A, abuse of power, and the other one was obstruction of obstruction of Congress. Of Cong- Separation of powers allows the president to obstruct Congress, does it not? Uh, we would we would say, and it uh, has to be decided by their, the courts. Their definition is: if you fail to do anything we ask you to do, you've uh, you've obstructed us. Well, that. Just completely blows away and, the the whole idea of this of separation of powers. Yeah, they what they would argue is we have it says the sole power of impeachment. Right. So when we hold hearings, which hearings about it is not in the Constitution, but they've made rules that this is how they'll carry out impeachment. We have the sole power to impeach. Therefore, if we ho- decide to hold hearings, we have the sole power to deciding what has to be produced and what doesn't have to be produced. No, that's not what it says. It says that you can have the hearings. It doesn't mean that I have to produce anything. Well, it, it doesn't say in here that you have hearings. <laughs> it just, I, yeah, I'm just I'm saying, just saying. That's, and that's, this is what I'm getting back to, Dave. When I would cover the, the office of the president, all the Constitution says is you have to be 35 years old and an American citizen. And so I'd ask my class. Uh, could we elect a convicted murderer, child molester, 
someone who had been to prison, been convicted, and admitting to, to child molestation and murder? And the answer is yes. There's nothing in the Constitution that prevents it. But what Correct. I'd say is I think the founders thought if we became so corrupt that we would elect somebody like that, then we deserve what we got. The president has the power to pardon anybody and everybody for federal crimes. So any president that has ever lived and any future president while in office could pardon every single federal criminal in the country at once with one stroke. And my students would go, well, that's crazy. That's too much power. And I thought, well, I think our founders thought if we would elect somebody capable of doing that, then we are corrupt and we deserve that. And I think this is the case with Congress. The House could impeach a president for, for anything, for sneezing, for looking at him the wrong way, instead of, you know, we've only had uh, two presidents impeached up to this time in, yeah. in over Johnson. 200 years. It's a very serious thing. And Clinton. Now it's just a political football. That's all it is. Now it's just, that's, and I think that gets back to the president thing. I think our founders, by giving the House of Representatives sole power to impeach, now they've looked at that and go, we can do it as many times as we want for any reason. We just impeach. Okay, so let me ask this question. Is the reason that we've got to this point, because Americans do not understand the Constitution? Absolutely. They don't understand it, and and some that understand it don't value it. Um, Harry Reid, I believe, if my memory serves right, when he was a senator, I remember when Bush was in office, uh, there were some scuttlebutt he was going to bomb Iran, I think. Mm-hmm. And he, he on live TV said, if Senator Reid said, if he bombs Iran, I will personally start impeachment, the impeachment process. Well, he can't. He's in the Senate. So even the, the sitting correct. senator did not understand the impeachment process, which has to start in the House of Representatives. No, I think the vast majority of the people, again, they know the starting lineup of their favorite basketball team, but they can't tell you two members of the Supreme Court. Here's what I thought was interesting last night. I... I will guess, because I I get people of all political leanings on my Facebook page, and I was stunned by the amount of people who thought, because the House had impeached the president, that he was going to be removed from office. Yep. I mean, the ones on the left were jumping and giddy with joy. He's gone. He's going to be gone. And I, I would just post it. The trial takes place in the Senate. Yep. He's not gone. And it doesn't have to take place. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they can they can say no. Nope. It says that it says they may. It doesn't say they shall or they must. And that's what McConnell said today in his speech. Yep. And what's the big deal? So the House impeached the president and uh, the Senate says we ain't gonna have a trial. It's does it put the you know, the impeachment in limbo? Yeah. Does it hurt the president? I don't think so. I like kind of like what Trump said last night in Battle Creek, Michigan. Doesn't even feel like I've been impeached. Yep. And I heard somebody to say, now, the Constitution says the Senate may sit uh, for trial to vote on whether or not to remove, and it takes they have to take an oath, and it takes 67 uh, out of 100, or, six, or two-thirds, which would be 67 if all 100 are there. Uh, but And again, they can impeach any public official. But if it's the president, only if it's the president, then the chief justice of the Supreme Court comes over and sits, presides as over, so judge. basically as the judge. And I heard some people saying, well, M- McConnell could dismiss the charges. And I, 
I'm not sure if that's correct or not because he's not the judge. No, he he's, can he can he say, is like the jury foreman basically. He can say it because it's a Senate and they don't have to have a trial. He could say we don't find these charges carrying any weight whatsoever and put them in a circular file. In other words, throw them in the trash. Not hold a trial. And not hold a trial. But if he holds a trial, I, I, the way I read it, he cannot dis. Once he holds a trial, he can't dismiss charges. It would take the judge, which would be the, the right, because you can't go to trial and the defense make a motion to dismiss. The jury doesn't decide if you dismiss or yeah, not. Yeah, they the judge could. Does. They could argue. Somebody could bring up just like you can in a regular trial. You know, a motion to dismiss. They could bring that up, and then the 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 chief justice Roberts could say, agreed. So if we start a trial. If a trial is started and the, and the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court is there, I'm not sure who decides when to take the vote. Because the jury doesn't decide in a regular trial when, when, when to vote. They, they get told when to vote. I would assume, now this is an assumption on my part, that after the people that have been chosen by each party to present the defense and the prosecu- uh, prosecution, once they have rested their cases, then it's given for the vote. Now, that would be my and, thoughts on Yes, it. but uh, in a regular trial, you know, how many witnesses do I get to bring? How long can I question them? All that kind of stuff is kind of decided by the presiding judge. Well, so some of it's decided by the majority leader, in this case McConnell, because that's what Schumer's trying to get him yeah. to do is to give them – witnesses so and, they, I, and i agree with mcconnell said hey your people didn't do their job over in the house don't ask me to do it for them over here in the senate yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they do that i guess they work thinking back to the clinton impeachment i guess they they may work some of this out but before they start but if the chief justice is presiding then he is in charge of that trial so i guess he can make changes well robert steinbach is going to be here next hour and we will ask him that question let the professor open class. And you teach. stick around just for a few minutes so that you can get that answer. Let How's the that? professor open class. We do and teach. that. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break. It's the Dave Ellswick show. We're talking impeachment to you right now, and uh, little civics going on here. I, you know, we try to be a. L- All right, back here, at Dave Ellswick show. Now, something Ed and I were talking about during the break, and I hope the Democrats aren't listening to Ed. Uh, he was saying if the if after the trial of the president were, of course, to exonerate him, really exonerate him, not in, 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 in an exoneration like Comey thought he got, but a real exoneration, then if the House, and this is what I don't understand about Nancy Pelosi holding up the articles, if they don't like it, Ed, they could redraft articles of impeachment again could they not i believe they could draft as many articles and hold impeachment Do they have votes. to be different than the ones it, that they already it did? says the house has the sole articles of impeachment so i would not they have gone off the deep end so i wouldn't put it past them to say well the senate obviously they will label as the senate was a political sham we were a moral duty-bound impeachment nonpartisan the the senate obviously was a partisan cover-up of the president so to, sh- to prove to them and show them we are serious about this constitutional duty we have 
we will impeach again. We're I wouldn't put it past them again. To, to, to do the exact same charges again or to, uh, again, just think up new charges, bring people that said, well, they, they heard something about it, therefore that proves it, and vote it. If they can get 51%, they can impeach. Wow. Just keep that in mind. Now, of course, I would I would think that if they did that, the Democratic Party would be looking to become the party of nobody. I would I would like or to just think the that far far left. I would like to think that maybe George Clooney would still be a member. Uh, but <laughs> you know, when people say when Trump legitimately won the election through the Electoral College, they say we won, we won. Well, I look at Trump's election as a, as a stay of execution. We didn't get pardoned. We didn't get an acquittal. We're still on death row. We just got a four-year Reprieve. stay of execution because Clinton did get win the popular vote. So we have to admit to ourselves that means the majority of Americans who, who care enough to go to the polls, to register to vote and go to the polls, vote. And Hillary wasn't a centrist, moderate Democrat. She's a whacked-out criminal left-leaning Democrat. Mm-hmm. And the majority of Americans that care enough to go to the polls voted for that. That is our problem, in my opinion. It's not Pelosi or Clinton or Schiff or Nadler or any of the others. It's that we Americans uh, have are going off the deep end as well. And a lot of that is because those people voting that way do not understand the history of this country nor the Constitution or even the Declaration of Independence. Correct. I think most Americans don't understand it, and that's why I go out and do free public presentations on them. But I think some people that do think, well, that's I do, they would say, I do understand it, and it's racist, it's horrible, we're, we're a horrible country. You know, That was pretty much the whole Obama thing. We need to change that Constitution. I, I want to be like Justice Ginsburg and believe that the South African Constitution is a better Constitution than our Constitution. Her words, not mine. Hey, we got to get news. Let's take the news and come back. We're going to talk further with Ed. If you want to call in, 823-0965, here's our news. Now, here's how this discussion that we're having, Ed, could change when Robert gets here. I don't know if there's been precedence set about some of this stuff, because when we say the 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 head of the Supreme Court shall preside, have they had some kind of precedence set up? I mean, you go back to the what the the Clinton impeachment, you go back to the Johnson impeachment, and you look at what happened in those particular instances, and they decided what the precedents were for the Chief Justice. I mean that I've watched over the years where precedence almost carries more weight than what the original words of the constitution carry well i mean the the if you go by the constitution it does not give any details it just says this the senate may hold the trial no rules about how they do it it just says right. they do it so if if it wasn't the president then mitch mcconnell would have just like the House, the Democrats in the House, completely controlled the impeachment investigation, if you want to call it that, and the vote. If it was not the president being impeached, then Mitch McConnell, the Senate, the, De- the Republicans controlling the Senate, could completely control the trial. But because it's the president, the Constitution says it's the only time that the, the Chief Justice, Justice comes gets over. involved. 
how much control and power he has over how much control and power the head of the Senate has, that I don't know. Because there's, there's nothing in the Constitution. That might have to be fought out in the Supreme Court. Yep. I mean, I'm just saying that that that's, would be the key at that point. Well, uh, Is that Mike that we got? Okay, Mike wants to join us. I think he'll from over in Sherwood. Mike, how are you? Welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. Good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, was hearing some discussion earlier today about a third remedy in light of the circumstances where Nancy Pelosi's not advancing the articles of impeachment, where the state governors and state attorneys of the states that elected Donald Trump as president can sue Nancy Pelosi and the House of Representatives because they do not meet the threshold of high crimes and misdemeanors through the Supreme Court. Hmm. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to have to defer until we get Robert Steinbach in here. He's All our, right. he's, he's our legal lady, beater. Beetle, be- I understand that. All right. Um, a, a constitutional writer by the name of Carrie Ann Hall. Okay. The one that has written the uh, documentation to back this argument up. If you wanted to research that. Okay. I wrote it down. And uh, I, I believe that uh, if we contact uh, the governor's office and maybe the attorney general's office and ask them that if they would be willing to uh, pursue this matter, because obviously uh, they have not met the criteria of high crimes and misdemeanors. And, and Ms. Pelosi herself is guilty of the same charges of obstruction and abuse of power that she's charging the president. You realize that what you're saying and, and, you know, I think it would be something to pursue. This would not be decided for probably several years. It would be tied up in litigation for a long, long time. Well, if the Supreme Court took it, they could fast track it. Yeah, but four Supreme Court justices have to decide that they want to hear it. So would they? I don't know. That would be something worth uh, checking into, I would think. Yep, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. But thank you for your call. That's some very interesting information. We will pursue it here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hmm. That make, uh, I mean, that makes sense to me <laughs> when you look at, like, for instance, Article 5 and, uh, you know, being able to do some different things through the states enforcing the federal government to act. You can, you can sue over anything, but, again— uh, as an originalist, I would look and I would I would say that's not correct because the Constitution says the House has the sole power of impeachment and does not give indicate in any way that the the judiciary, the third branch, has any role to play at all in the House's impeachment. It only has one role to play, and that's if impeachment is voted for, it goes into the Senate, and the president is the one who's been impeached. Hmm. Could you could you sue and try to file a lawsuit and try to get? Yep, but. Uh, and like you said, I think that I think their goal in doing this, and I've said it before, is it's it's a political commercial. They 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 knew the Senate, they knew they didn't have anything that justified a real crime. Therefore, they knew the Senate would not vote to remove. All they're trying to get is what they have gotten. It's been a success. They've gotten weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of twenty four hour negative coverage about Donald Trump. Yeah, and they've scarred him as an impeached president. But it hasn't worked for him because I looked at I looked at the polls today. From Real Clear Politics, and they had every freaking poll that's been tracking the impeachment thing. 
And you always want to see, is the needle moving? And it has. But all of them have all of them have moved, and all of them have moved in the president's favor. If I'm a Democrat, that concerns me. Well, we discussed during the break, you know, what what's the Democrats' next move? If the Senate chooses not to have a trial, or if they have a trial and they acquit, which they will if they have a trial, but in either case, how will the Democrats respond? And uh, there's nothing that stops them from impeaching again and again and again, but maybe if they see what they believe in the polls to be negative response, then maybe that will stop them. Because this whole impeachment has been poll-driven and, uh, you know, and they've set focus group-driven. That's why they they moved away from saying uh, quid pro quo, and they finally, and then they went, what was it, uh, treachery, and then they moved over to bribery because— they found that bribery, bribery resonated with their focus groups, and that's why they started using that word. Yep. Um, but I, mean, I, I want everybody to understand that. All right, that they went searching for the for the term that they were going oh, yeah. to use, and then they didn't even use it in their articles of impeachment. This is just like cops saying, "Arrest him, and we'll figure out something to charge him with," and that's that's what happened here. But we got we got over ten months. Those that support Trump and those that don't really support Trump, but they they support adult use of the Constitution, uh, register to vote, start making donations. I'm going to make a donation to Trump and the, D- and the RNC today. I don't care if it's a dollar or five dollars. Register to vote if you're not. Ask your friends. I know you're not supposed to talk politics over the holidays, but <laughs> if you care about this kind of stuff going on, it, you, you know to. those type of little rules won't matter. Uh, get people registered. Get ready to drive them to the polls and make these people pay. Because if you if we don't make these people pay, there's absolutely no reason they won't keep doing it. I'll tell you what. If you're arguing for some, and if you got somebody in your family that is like uh, you know, uh, what's her name, uh, ROC or whatever, uh, Cortez. If you have someone like that, let me just say, don't argue. Because facts don't matter to them. Don't matter in any yep. way, shape, or form. You can argue facts until you're blue in the face, and it's not going to go anywhere. So instead of ruining your ho- uh, holiday, just don't get into it with them. Unless they really want to get into it. Then, you know, roll the roll as many cannons that you have on your ship and broadside. I I don't think it takes turning people from one side of the political spectrum to the other. I think we could make a huge difference if we just found people that are already on our political side and get them to register and get them to the polls. That's exactly right. That would be huge, and that's easy. I mean, you're not not going to change the mind of someone who supports Pelosi. Um, But we've got uh, French Hill, uh, Democrats running against him. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of people, you know— People say, well, my my Republican who represents me, no one's running against him. Well, find a Republican who someone is running against, who, who has a chance of unseating them, and support that yeah. that incumbent. In fact, you know, you could help, you can help Westerman, you can help Crawford, you can help, uh, of course, uh, French Hill and uh, Womack up in the northwest uh, Arkansas. You know, send them each 25 bucks. For their campaigns. I've told them all, if they think it would help to hold a, a fundraiser at my range, at my training complex, hey, come shoot with the congressman, come shoot with the senator, Right, uh, I, we'll do it. We'll host it. Anything we can do to help to keep people in office, not because I personally like them, but because 
they tend to vote more towards the Constitution than away from it. Yeah, you got you got to got to pick the people that you're going to get behind. Got to get our break in. Is that right? Final break. Let's do that here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Ed Monk. Love having Ed on on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. We are back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Ed Monk is my special guest. He'll be here to the top of the hour. In fact, we're going to keep him for a little bit after the top of the hour because as we've been talking during this hour, we've come up with some questions for Robert Steinbach, who will be with us in the 4 to 5 o'clock segment of this show. And Does he, he know he's going to get interrogated yeah, upon well, his he arrival? Know, he knows right. that I'm having him on today because he's a, you know, a professor of law. He knows the Constitution. And we're going to ask him. We're going to ask him the one about the Chief Justice. We're going to ask him the one about the call we got from Mike in Sherwood about this thing about where the uh, uh, governors and AGs can bring legal recourse against the Speaker of the House because they didn't have crimes, high crimes and misdemeanors, although that's not truly really defined clearly by the Constitution, uh, you know, and, and because of that, you should be able to go in and, and bring a lawsuit. And by the way, I looked for Carrie Ann Hall and that, and I could not find it on, on the Internet. I'll, I'll keep looking, Mike. I will try to find that. And what was the other question? Oh, being able to, is it, you know, is it the... Um, uh, the majority leader that sets up all of the the way that the the uh, trial works and all that the chief justice does is sit up there and preside making sure they meet the requirements of what the majority has d- decided they can't change the rules of the game i guess in the middle of the trial yeah who runs the impeachment trial who runs yeah it? so we got to talk talk to him about uh, to, and to Rob about if that. I know if, he's on his way, so he's listening right now. Hypothetically, if Mitch McConnell and Chief Justice completely disagree on a procedure or a timeline or whatever, who wins? That's not in the Constitution, no. so that, that'll have to be worked out. That's yeah. good. And you're right. You you mentioned how many how many witnesses does each side get? How long can the witnesses stay on the stand? How long do you get to cross examine? Is all of that laid out? So that, yeah, you know, that's the way it's going to run. What questions are acceptable and what are not? You know, do you get a person on there to testify and then start going into other stuff to, for political theater mm-hmm. to try to embarrass them or embarrass the other party versus specifically what Trump is supposedly impeached for? Well, for everybody who was hoping that uh, I believe that Hunter and Joe Biden were going to be called, I hate to rain on your parade, but... Uh, Lindsey Graham basically has said that's not going to happen. What he did say, though, is after this whole impeachment debacle is finally done, he is the head of the Senate judiciary. He will open hearings on them, and he's bringing Rudy Giuliani in. And have you been reading these late articles about Giuliani? And, you know, he's been over in... Ukraine and yep. some other countries. Speculation that it's building he, the case. Well, he's they, he's made the, the statement that he can prove that they are laundering, they were laundering money to the tune of about $17 billion. I would be curious if the Senate 
I think they should, but I, I would, I'm not convinced they would. I hope they do, but I'd be surprised because a lot of times, because Biden was in the Senate for how many years? Oh, yeah. And how many senators, even if they believe they he, know he was corrupt in this, would say, well, it was my buddy Joe. We drank together. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to ring him and his kid through quid this. pro Joe. Yep. Yep. <laughs> as as uh, Harrington said last hour, you know, but yeah, you're right. There's a lot of that that plays. I've seen that happen locally. You, you've been on my show in in over well there with with my personal little thing that i've got house. going on i talked to a supposedly conservative sen- senator and he started the conversation by saying listen I, i'm willing to listen to your issue but don't expect me to take any action because i'm personal friends yeah with it so See, the friendship that's, that's pretty crazy trumps the duty in your office yeah i agree i i agree wholeheartedly it's, they get they get too close in there it's it a little incestuous and then you also got to wonder how you know how many sitting senators does biden have dirt on that's that, right that he wouldn't want to go against him because of that well i don't know about if he i you know i don't think he's j edgar hoover you know what i'm saying i mean i'm just uh, j edgar hoover he had dirt on everybody i and, gotta believe you spend as much time in the senate as he did you know some things about well, certain i'm things. sure yeah. i'm i'm sure that is a true a but true i mean case the nancy pelosi and her minions in the house rammed this impeachment down our throat they took a square peg and hammered it into a circular hole. I think we should do the same thing with with the Department of Justice, with prosecutors. Uh, I think we ought to go caveman, go nuclear. I love that. And that's what I think we ought to do. Go caveman. we got to make them pay or they will be emboldened to keep doing it. And then Al Green, Democrat of Houston, will feel at home because he does look like a Geico caveman. <laughs> I mean, no, seriously, he does. And anybody who thinks I'm just being ugly, n- not true. Google, you know, Congressman Al Green, Houston, and look at his picture and tell me he does not look a lot like a Geico caveman. He really does. The truth. Truth hurts. And, of course, if you want to, no, I can't say that. I get in trouble. I was going to say something about waters but there's nothing i could say about waters that would be a low blow she she is down there with amoebas as far as i'm concerned as far as any kind of thought process or smarts i, I hope everybody realizes we're in the middle of a very historic event it's yeah, not just really one are. more thing on the news yeah. one more we are in the middle of a very historic event a sad uh well if if you believe in the constitution and believe in america it's a sad if you're on their side this is a great this is a great time in American history. Uh, but then also the possibilities of what's to come, whether or not we have a trial, if they continue to impeach uh, and have because he's already one of three impeached presidents. There's nothing to keep the Democrats un- until the results of the next election to impeach him again. And then he Trump would be the only president impeached twice while in office. They can impeach him 100 times between now and November or actually January of 2021, which is when the new Congress would sit. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how all of this plays out right now. And, we're we're in new territory because they've just blown the doors wide open on When us, I so. taught this in high school, I would go over the Clinton impeachment because of every well he got impeached for sex. No, he didn't get impeached for sex. He got impeached for lying under oath, which no one can deny he did, and obstructing justice by tam- by trying to get witnesses to make lying statements and hide. That's 
you you can make an argument of whether or not that rises to the level uh, of of removal or impeachment. But there's no doubt he did what he did. He didn't get he didn't get impeached because he had an affair with somebody. That wasn't the process. It was he did lie under oath. No one can say he didn't do that. And there's Robert. He has gotten here. Have you been listening to the show, Robert? As you've been coming over. Uh, I, I haven't heard your show since 1985. <laughs> well, I know you think you're on vacation from being a professor, but we're going to draft you back in and swear you no in doubt. today. Well, this is one of those few circumstances in which uh, I'm the student in the room because Ed is my teacher quite literally. So uh, I, I think I have to show the deference to Ed. Okay, well, we... We've got some questions for you. Mm-hmm. You may not have answers, but we're going to ask you some questions. Let's take a break. We'll be back with more on the Dave Ellswick Show. entered into the arena and he's like give me time to research some of this guys i'm trying to figure out some answers i don't know <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta get answers here because we are literally getting into uncharted waters dave i did i thought i had i had uh, the question to to stump uh ed monk and i didn't are you ready for this one yeah I, who was the first president Washington? Yeah, it was Washington. You heard it, huh? Who was the first president of the United States? Yeah, no. no. The first one that was threatened with impeachment. Was Washington? It was Washington. Oh, I, thought the, I thought I was by, joking. When, when by I was, Thomas yeah. Jefferson. Is that right? Yeah, because of the, 
the uh, the uh, war between France and England. Mm. Washington wouldn't get involved. And uh, Jefferson was saying that he was uh, letting down the security of the United States. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thought that was kind of, kind of interesting. It is interesting. So he goes, and that's not, you know, I don't know if we can say that's high crimes and misdemeanors there, you know. So perhaps this is not an aberration. It's just, uh, you know, the kind of the evolution of where we were and where we now are. Right, but nothing ever happened with that. No, a bunch ne- of they, he never got right. enough votes right. to, to try to impeach the man. All right. right. God, thank God for that. Right. Whew. Greatest president ever lived, George Washington. Well, what, what, you know, the, the, the first impeachment, uh, which was um, Johnson, right? Yep, after uh, Lincoln, that's right. correct. After. The, the original, you know, not the modern day Johnson, the first Johnson. Uh, is re- resoundingly known. I really think there's little or no dispute as a political impeachment. Nobody thinks yeah. it was real, and of course, um, Nixon wasn't impeached, but he would have been uh, had he not resigned. And, and let's talk about Johnson just a second. Right. The reason he was impeached is because he wouldn't go along with the Northern folks to punish the South. Right. Right. He and fought in fact, against. They that. passed a law. Uh, and I don't. I, I guess I don't recall how it happened because I would presume he would have to. He would have had to sign the law. Maybe it was something other than a law. But I think they passed a law that said he couldn't do something that was clearly within the powers of the president to do. And then when he did it, they said, "Well, you can't do that because we said you can't do that." <laughs> I'm like, well, uh, no. The I Constitution do- says I can. Right, I don't exactly. care what you say. Exactly. Um, and then, um, so. Nixon is was a non-impeachment, but would have been an impeachment, and and probably would have been the first president to be removed to be from re- office. Removed, right? And then uh, Clinton. If you go over to the Clinton Museum here in Little Rock, uh, he says that his impeachment was pu- purely political. Now, oh, I, I was not uh, even at the time. Excuse me, I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying that I was for right on that, but. You did commit perjury, right? Sir. And that indeed, you're right on the money. Which is, I, I I was not at the time for it as well, and I actually had to stake out a position, so to speak, because at the time I was sort of, the, I think it was a tail end of the impeachment. After I think, I think he won in the Senate, but still, so it wasn't actually the impeachment. It was. It was this uh, independent prosecutor or whatever it's called. After Starr stepped down, somebody else took over. And that's what led to Clinton giving up his Arkansas bar license, if you recall. And at that point, my then boss was under consideration for that position. And so he asked me whether I would join him if he took that position. And I said I would. And it was at that point I also said to him, however, you need to understand Sort of my position on this, although my job is not to have a position. My job is not to be like Strzok or Page or all of these other political cronies at the FBI. I may have a political belief, but once I step into the role of that job, it's to do what you tell me to do in terms of legal analysis, etc. And so, but I always told my bosses that I would share with them sort of the bigger picture uh, that I saw. And so even back then, I had some analysis of what was going on there. And I, I didn't think it was uh, great what was happening. Not, not sort of, uh, I, I didn't think that it was the, the type of matter that would really um, 
implicate the issues that should be implicated. All right. By the way, we had a caller call in from Sherwood mm-hmm. asking about uh, the thing about governors and AGs of the states suing the uh, Speaker of the House and things of that nature, and that they heard from Carrie Ann Hall. It did not connect with me. He really met Chris Ann Hall, mm. who has been on my show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I might have to give her a call, and it, it won't be until the beginning of the year, and have her come on and, and talk about this. Although, hey, just go on online to Chris Ann Hall and her website. See if there's a phone number there. Call what her. Is- Call her and ask her if she can give us a few minutes. What, what? I don't know who she is. What is the issue that she has dealt with? Well, she's she's a, basically a, a constitutional scholar. Oh, okay. All right. Very, very good and very, very conservative. Got it. Uh, it would be very interesting to see what she said. Evidently, she's the one who brought up this thing about how governors and AGs can bring uh, legal uh force against uh, the secretary, uh, the uh, Speaker of the House. Mm. For However, what issue? For saying if they've not met the, the criteria of high crimes and misdemeanors hmm. and things of that I'm nature. Not I'm not familiar with it at yeah. all. So, and there's some things that Chris has uh, interesting information about that I had not heard of. When before. you mentioned Chris, Chris's name for a moment, I thought you were mentioning our good friend no, Chris Corbett. Corbett. But I, I'll mention him only in the following sense because there's a marginal overlap, which is, um, <laughs> uh, well, because Chris, you know, has sued municipalities he, yes, he, he sued, for example north little rock and got a big check as a consequence because the point is that we should not be so deferential to government cronies that means uh, uh your, your buddy the speaker of the house that means some, my, my buddy right it's yeah, a joke oh, right that is a joke right you know <laughs> that, some bureaucrat in north little rock that's kicking down doors under false claims of um um you know, they're, they're just trying to regulate our uh, lives. And in, in, in this instance, I think, Chris, they kicked down his door because they said his uh, he didn't meet the fire code or something like that. So they kicked down his door. That's real good for a fire code, by the way. It is. You know? <laughs> I guess that would give you at least one exit. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, with the, with the big check that he got, he can put in a few exits. Yeah, he can put some other doors That's right. in. That's right. Well, we kept Ed Monk here. And, yeah. and the big... The big question that we discussed is this whole thing about the chief justice. Right. Only in the impeachment trial of the president of the United States does the chief justice, in this case, it would be Justice Roberts. Right. During Clinton, it was Justice Rehnquist. Right. That was over uh, that trial. What it says he's. He presides over it. He presides over it. What's the exact terminology? Um, The Senate shall have the sole power. To try all impeachments, when sitting for that purpose, they shall be under oath or affirmation. When the president of the United States is tried, the chief justice shall preside. That's it. He shall preside. So the whole thing is what, what, does, what does preside? How That's is that right. defined? What powers are included and not included? Right. So, it, so it, in a normal trial, the judge uh, makes all decisions of law. He's the final arbiter. Of correct? law. Not a fact. Okay. Right. So if you go in and you have a lawsuit against a guy that hits you at the stoplight, that's a classic example. Any of my former students or even current students know that I always use that as as the example because it's sort of obvious. Right. And so you're suing the guy that that went through the light. You say you had the green. He says he had the green. That's a factual dispute. 
the jury decides that factual dispute. Let's say you want to put on a witness, and the witness says, well, Johnny told me, objection, hearsay. You know, whenever you hear Johnny told me, somebody told me, hearsay. So that's a legal question. Is it hearsay? Well, a juror doesn't know how to define hearsay. Of course, we've all heard the term, and we have a sort of common sense understanding of it, but it's a legal term. The judge makes those legal determinations. And then finally, and this was the question you asked me uh, offline, was you can go into court either at the trial or before the trial and say, I move to throw out the trial. Dismiss the charges. Dismiss the charges because there's nothing there. Mm -hmm. That is technically a legal question. Did you allege something that is a wrong? So if you could say, well, I was driving down the street and I went through the red light and the other guy went through the green light, as he's supposed to do, and he hit me and I want $100. Well, the court will say, well, dismissed. He's allowed to go through the green light. You're the one that broke the law. So let me ask. This is the way I would look at it. Let's yep. say Lindsey Graham. Yep. So under Lindsey Graham, they've, they've been going on with the trial for a week. Right. All right. He stands up and he says, Mr. Majority Leader, mm-hmm. you know, to Mitch McConnell. It's very obvious that the, uh, impe- the articles in impeachment are not, you know, impeachable offenses. And I move that we dismiss the charges against the president. Right. Now, is that decided by Mitch McConnell right. or is it decided by the chief justice? It, 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 you're right to ask the question. And the answer is, I'm not sure. If it were an ordinary trial, it would be the judge. So the equivalent is it would be the chief justice. So the question is, does the trial in the Senate operate identically to an ordinary trial in court? And if so, then it's the chief justice. Okay, now I'm going to I'm going to say it's not like a typical I trial. I don't think it's identical. Because Mitch McConnell and the Republicans, since they control the Senate, Right will dictate how that trial is going to run. Well, yes, to some extent. That, those are kind of the initial setup of the rules of debate, I guess. And that's that's initially decided by the majority leader. Uh, but once that that's decided, the chief justice presides. And then what does it mean to preside? I don't have the, the, the answer on that, actually. We, we have a long, detailed history of what it means to preside in a civil or criminal trial. That's right. Normally. Right. We only have two, two instances of the Senate holding a trial for impeachment of a president. And I, there's nothing that, that I see in the Constitution that would require us to do the exact same thing here. Right. The I, I My guess is it could happen. I'm not saying it would, but the head of the Senate could disagree with the chief justice, could disagree with whoever is there from the side of the Democrat. They could all disagree and as Robert says, I think what he said was in a regular trial, the judge is the final arbiter. You can appeal that later, but the judge in the courtroom is the final arbiter. I don't know how it would turn out in an impeachment trial in the Senate with the chief justice presiding is the verb uh, in the Constitution. Which would be interesting because it could bring everything to a screeching halt and end up in the full Supreme Court to decide. No. I don't think it goes to the Supreme Court. I, you can't I think, go? I think that's it. I think it stays within yep. that body. Oh, so they get to fight it out yeah, until I don't, they figure it out. Right. Huh? I, yeah. Meaning, if the Chief Justice, let's say the Chief Justice says, that's for me to decide, and he decides it, that's it. Because he's the final, he's, he's the a, He presides. He, he presides, presides over. And there's no appeal. 
Wow. Yeah, because that yeah. is not part of the normal hierarchy of, of courtroom process. So it doesn't thereafter go to the Supreme Court. It stays within that Senate. Because, because I know that some people are listening. So what, what does this all matter? Well, okay. Well, I'm it, just telling you, I'm a wonk uh, enough that this is interesting to me. Okay, but it's a fa- let's let's step it back one level of abstraction. That is, it it you got you have a chief justice in the process who presides. The scope of presiding we don't know offhand, and then the the jury is are the senators, and then whatever they decide, that's it. It's done. Okay, I I'm, I I got a question. We'll start talking about when we come back. Yeah, Pelosi refuses to send yeah. the article of impeachment over to the Senate. Right? Can't Mc, McConnell just say, "Hey, look, you guys voted on them. We know what they are. If you don't want to bring them over, that's up to you. Right. That's just uh, what do you call that when you know they put it Min- in a ministerial? Cherry. Yeah, you take yeah. a. Uh, put it in a cherry box and you walk right. it over right. to us. If you don't want to do that, that's fine. But we're going to start dog right. on I trial. Heard, I heard someone. I heard someone on the radio say that you're correct. But I think that's also an open question because nobody ever had to decide before. All right. What was that, Zach? Thirty seconds. Yeah. I, I need to give you thirty seconds. Okay. We got to get a break. That's what he's telling me. Yeah. All right. We'll have more for you in just a moment. All right. We continue. Robert Steinbach is here. Let me always remind you that he is a legal professor, a law professor at Bowen School of Law, and his opinion is his and his alone, not necessarily that of the School of Law or the uh, university. Here's something interesting, Dave, on the point that we were talking about just before the break. Uh, I'm reading an article online, and it says, unlike a courtroom where the judge's ruling is final, the Senate can override any decision by the chief chief justice by a majority— the chief justice also might avoid injecting himself into the proceedings by using the escape clause he's given in the standing rules. Roberts can, quote, submit any such question to a vote of the members of the Senate. Wow. Yeah. So unless they voted to change standing rules, that's what they would probably go by. Uh, that's my that's what so I gather. Yes. Read again what the Senate yes. can do in the Constitution. The Senate shall have the sole power to try all impeachments when sitting for the that purpose they shall be on oath or affirmation when the president of the united states is tried the chief justice shall preside okay with that said sounds like to me the constitution is very clear that the the senate makes the rules and that's why he's saying chief justice says to him you guys tell me what you want to do right right because you're the ones who make the rules here Right, because unlike a trial that is bound by the do, the rules of evidence and the rules of civil procedure, it sounds like the Senate can set up a whole new set of rules. Or Ooh. yeah, that's yeah. pretty incredible. And of course, too, the yes. Senate would want to maintain uh, at least some of the rules of evidence because we conservatives have aptly been complaining so far about the use of hearsay evidence. So I'm sure they're not going to waive that now. So hearsay will be will be the rule. So again, let me say yeah. something to yeah. our listeners. Elections have consequences. Indeed. Indeed. Elections have consequences. We've got fifty one in the Senate right now. And it's a majority on a lot of this stuff. That means the Republicans have got to march together, but they have control. They have control. And, of course, since 
is is does the vice president sit in there to break a, a vote? It's a really good question. I don't know the answer to it, but it strikes me that if it was a tie, he would break the tie. He would have he to automatically break because but if a tie sense. doesn't matter for removal, it takes two. No, 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 no. But no, it no, matters for these other on decisions. These, on these other decisions. On whether or the, not to stop questioning yeah, what, all, that's on exactly. the other. The procedural yeah. question. Yes. yes. Oh. That becomes interesting yeah. as well. So is, I mean, is the vice president going to be sitting over there too to the side of the chief justice? That's kind of interesting. It's funny. That's right. I mean, we're in uncharted territory That's right. That's right. here. I mean, well, seriously. the biggest uncharted territory is we have, well, I don't know if it's uncharted now that I think of it. That is, we have a an impeachment um, that isn't based on any criminal activity, but Johnson may have been the same. So, And with that said, yeah. we want to bring up this when we come back. Yeah. I'm keeping Ed here because it's things that we have talked about and kind of yeah. batted around like yeah. a tennis ball. Yeah. And that is, since it's up to the House to bring the articles of impeachment, if they don't like what the Senate does here, mm-hmm. could they start impeachment again? Yeah, well, they can. Sure. Uh, maybe not on the exact same charges, albeit these charges are nebulous. Right. Part of the problem is we're impeaching you because you were mean and we don't like how you behaved. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like those charges that sometimes you see in the military. I don't like those charges, by the way. Uh, Ed, you know, was in the military for 20 yeah. something years and uh, went to West Point. Now he's a firearms instructor and a cop. And uh, uh, what I don't like is, well, that's that's behavior unbecoming. Well, maybe, but says who, right? <laughs> so, uh, uh, of course, tr- the general sitting in front of you, right? Exactly, <laughs> right. And that's you know, the, it's it's not really law when the law is the other guy doesn't like what you're doing. And of course, that's what's going on in impeachment, right? Yeah. It's they don't like Trump because he's brassy and brash. He is, by the way. So am I. And he's nah. no, and and he's uh, staked out strong and conservative opinions, and they don't like it. Well, that's not a reason to indict someone. All right, we'll be right back. We got more to talk about, and then we'll talk about removing judges as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We've been talking about this whole impeachment that's going on. First of all, we've we've dealt with a lot of different things. According to the Constitution, it says that the House shall bring forth uh, the articles of impeachment, correct? They'll Mm -hmm. vote on it. They have the sole power to impeach. Okay. Nowhere does it say there that the the Senate has to wait for them to deliver the articles of impeachment, does it? It doesn't say anything about uh, articles delivering at all. It just says the Senate shall have the sole power to try all impeachments. There has been an impeachment. So So McConnell can say... You know, on what you're trying to do, Nancy. Here's my thing about that. That's one option. And as I mentioned before the break, I think that's, um, there's a plausible claim for that. But why? Maybe the better option is, oh, Nancy, you don't want to bring it forward? Okay. Well, then don't. And we just go on with our business. And then a month later, Nancy decides that she thinks it's strategic to bring it forward. And you know what he does then? He says, we're not going to have a trial. Well, no, he says, I got it. I'll get to it when I can get to it now. Yeah. How's that? I'm going to wait. You waited? I can wait. Don't mm-hmm. tell me I can't wait once you've given it to me. Oh, I'll take it up. I'm well, not ignoring well, he it. he kind of said that yeah. in his speech because he said, we're going to let it, everything calm down because we're the there more deliberative body. There you go. I mean, I, 
the problem you know. I see, political problem I see with with either or both sides delaying is it continues to be the lead story every hour on every new channel, and so it's it's twenty four seven. I'm not sure. Democrat I'm, news coverage. Well, it, it, all the mainstream media is twenty four seven Democrat news coverage. Yeah. But putting yeah. that aside, I take your point. Here's my question, and and Dave and I have discussed this many times already. I'm not sure that's not good for Trump. Oh, I agree uh, right? with you. I'm not sure that having the notion that the the uh, screaming memes in the House decided that they want to impeach Trump for, uh, we don't like you, the offense of we don't like you, uh, that having that in the news doesn't appeal to certainly all conservatives and a lot of independents who say, you know, I might not like this or that about Trump, but... This notion that they get to indict him because they don't like him, even though a majority of electors elected him, uh, I'm not so good with that. Well, I, I hope you two are right. Yeah. And, I, and I'm sure people that listen to Dave's show and shows like Dave's show hear this. But I think the people that don't actively look for conservative stuff, what they hear is the president's done some very horrible things. Well, those and people are on the left, and they it don't matter what they hear. It doesn't matter. Well, I'm not sure they're, they're going to hate left. him. I think, I, I think, I think independents listen to talk radio. Well, yeah. whether they listen to talk radio or not, uh, Ed's point is is the mirror of what we're raising, right? In other words, Ed, yeah. you're right. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I hope they right. pay a price I, politically I and right. legally. I hope how, in right. November. How involved are they? That's yep. the question. Well, but the the bigger question I think is. Having it in the news, does that help or hurt the president? And we don't know the answer to that question. But what we do know is over the last month or so, uh, the tide has fallen in Trump's favor, notwithstanding that that's when the House proceeded and now gave the articles of impeachment. So let me let me just use a good point here. Biden led Trump. In Pennsylvania, by 12 points at the end of May. Right. At the, while the impeachment was going on, people were getting tired of it. Trump now leads Biden, who's still the leading candidate for the, you know, Democrats. Which surprises uh, me. Yeah. And I don't mean that as an insult. Is, I'm just that was my question. Is but, Biden leading nationwide? Is he, is he the president they leader? Say. Yeah. They say he does yeah. by seven points. Yeah. Okay. Actually, he All doesn't right. lead in Iowa. I think last I saw, Buttigieg, Buttigieg. led in Iowa. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. But the bottom line is, is that now Trump leads Biden by six. In Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania. Yeah. That's an 18-point swing. Swing. That's yeah. Huge. And that's a swing state with a lot of electoral votes. That's a that's a that's right. part of the blue wall, right? And so the question is: Is the the actions are the actions of the Democrats recently uh, a cause of that positive swing towards the president? Yeah, and certainly one can draw that conclusion. I think it's some, right? I think the the just the the. The dumb things that Biden says a lot of times is the other part. I, of I think it. you're right. As with most things, when you actually do a regression, you'll see it's multiple factors and uh, Biden's ability to articulate it. Here's the beauty about Biden. Biden's one of the few American politicians over the last 200 plus years who could make either one of the Bush presidents look articulate. <laughs> How's that? Right. 
Uh-huh. Zach's nodding his head. Oh, boy. Yeah, we oh, never boy. know what would come out of Biden's yeah. voice. You know? Negada. Yeah, strategery. <laughs> yeah. He probably can figure out something worse than exactly. that, I'm sure. Well, what was it with, you know, uh, 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 um, what was the story he was telling with the hair on his legs and oh, crack, a, crack a ball jack yeah. and, uh, Mesqui- and roaches. And roaches. And, Come on, man. And, and little kids under the water Come on, playing man. with the hair on his legs. Come on. No, nobody believes that. That that just oh, man. smacked the pedophilia to me. All right, we're going to take a break. Roman wants cookies. to talk to us. Hey, Roman, what's up? Hey, uh, you guys are scaring me with that story about underwater stuff <laughs> like that. No kidding. <laughs> really, I didn't make it. We're scared ourselves. I'm telling you, the yeah. skin is actually Quid pro crawling. Joe said that. Exactly. <laughs> Lord help the man. <laughs> um, if we rewind back to the Articles of Confederation, before the convening of the Congress, those delegates, there's a number of men that refused to sign the resulting document simply because they felt that under the Articles of Confederation, there was like an adjournment that I think they refer to as S-I-N-D-I-E. I don't know how to say that properly. Synodia. And Robert Yates of New York left a sizable journal outlining how he felt that this whole notion of actually putting together the document that we're referring to as being illegal. And what if a, a court action was opened up based on the fact that the Articles of Convention were our Articles of Confederation were never properly set aside, and the acceptance of the Constitution we're referring to is actually an illegal document based on the notes of Robert Yates and a few others uh, at the time. Now, the problem, Would it be possible pro- to go back in? It's all, and anything challenge? is always possible, Roman. Is it probable? The answer is, I think, a resounding no for the simple reason if – if the judges can't read the Constitution and understand the words of the Constitution, how in hell are they ever going to go back and read, uh, you know, the words of the, you know, the, the whole thing that was before it and say that it negates the Constitution? I, I don't I, and I appreciate it, but I, I don't see how that would ever well, work Well, generally, out. courts don't look prior to. Um, the Constitution for other than common law doctrine, and that's a complicated way, perhaps, of simply saying how we generally do things. Okay. So before we come to the last break, mm-hmm. I I want to go back to this scenario that Ed broke brought up mm-hmm. in the in basically the the first hour mm-hmm. scares the dickens out of me. Mm-hmm. Let's say one party, the leftist party that's out there gets control, overriding control of the House, the Senate, and the presidency. Mm-hmm. And then they, 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 they get tired of the Supreme Court overriding their decisions. Mm-hmm. If they've got 67, mm-hmm. could, they, could they not completely manipulate the Supreme Court? They could do even more. Because remember, the, the, the uh, filibuster rule, and that's why you say... It's actually not 67, 60. Uh, uh, you need 60 votes in the Senate to overcome a filibuster, but the adoption of the filibuster rule can be reversed by a vote of 51. So the Democrats, if they have a majority in the Senate, can do away with the filibuster rule. Then they can 
all pass a law that changes the number of judges on the Supreme Court. That's just a law. There's no this, the Constitution doesn't mandate the number of judges. We all know that from the times of F, FDR when he tried to then pull back, and so they could add five more spots, let's say, and then pack them with a bunch of. And to the Senate's, to the Senate's, uh, uh, I guess, courage, they fought back against FDR. Yeah, well, they they wouldn't allow him to do that. Yeah, and and then the story is that the Supreme Court gave in basically, and so FDR gave up the effort because he won. He he th- he scared them too much. Now there's some dispute in the end as to whether or not that actually occurred, whether they actually changed their philosophy uh, because they were scared by FDR. If they did, then it demonstrates that they're not particularly real. Right. I mean, it's either you're not as courageous. Yeah. Well, either you believe in the rule of law or you don't. And you don't let someone say, well, we're going to pack your court. I don't care. I'm going to vote the right way no matter what. Do you think because Roberts basically said that Mm -hmm. when Trump said talking about Democrat, you know, people have been put in by Democratic president versus a Republican president. And he said, no, there's no such thing as a Democratic judge or Republican. That's correct. It's such nonsense. When you put on the black robe, it changes everything. Yeah. Nonsense. Go look. There's just there's a Fifth Circuit opinion that just came out uh, reviewing a uh, trial court decision because that's how it works. Right. Reviewing a district court decision. That's a trial court in the federal system. And there's a brilliant uh, concurrence written by a guy actually that came and spoke here at the law school and who I know from my days in working in the Senate, uh, and his last name is Ho, H-O. Uh, he sends out a nice Christmas card with he and his wife and the kids, and of course, what's it say? Ho, ho, ho. Oh, right? that's good. Um, and um, he, uh, uh, he wrote a, a brilliant concurrence that said the trial judge basically had imbued uh, his opinion with political invective. And needless to say, perhaps... Uh, the trial judge was a uh, Democrat and or appointed by a Democrat, and he was a Democrat, and it was an issue of abortion. And it was just totally political. And the fact is, more and more we see that courts make decisions politically. In fact, the Fifth Circuit, you know, the circuit courts, the appellate courts, the intermediate appellate court sits in panels of three. The Supreme Court, you know, everybody sits together, all nine judges. The circuit courts, they're made up of anywhere from 10 to almost 40 judges, but they sit three at a time, unless they all sit at once, and that generally doesn't happen. And if the three split, right. then they can ask for all of them to have Even to vote Even if they don't it. split, you can theoretically ask. It's just seemingly unlikely that it would happen. Uh, and so uh, there was um, a, a decision on... Um, a case about Obamacare that was decided by another guy that I worked with in the Senate. Uh, And uh, his name is O'Connor. And he basically struck down, you might recall sometime, I think last year, he struck down Obamacare. And then the court here, uh, the appellate court said he was right on most of his things, uh, his decisions, I should say. uh, But on one issue, they told him he needs to do more investigation. And they sent it back. But there was one dissent. Uh, meaning it was mostly upheld by two judges, and there was one dissenter who didn't like anything he decided. Guess which way the, the political appointments went. The two people that upheld mostly what he did and on the one remaining item just said, go do a little more, 
Republicans, and the one dissenter who wanted to overturn entirely what he had done, a Democrat. So don't tell me there's no such thing as Republican and Democrat or Trump versus Clinton versus and Obama judges. Nonsense. Nonsense. And it's tragic, by the way, because judges should be more obje- objective, but uh, we don't see that, and uh, it's a problem. They're humans. But I also think uh, if you look back historically, you could point out federal judges, specifically Supreme Court justices, that were appointed by Republicans that I think you could get many people to agree slid left. That's right. But I'm not sure I can recall one, I could be corrected, where it did, appointed yeah. by a Democrat that slid right. I think that's exactly right. Not Never to the same extent. And let me be clear the distinction I want to draw. Of course, if you appoint, if you're a conservative president and you appoint a conservative, you expect a, a conservative judicial philosophy. So that's to be expected. It's when it's a conservative or liberal political philosophy that imbues the opinion. And that was the problem with the case that I mentioned that uh, Judge Ho wrote a concurring opinion overturning. That's the problem. So uh, not every case in which Republicans vote one way and Democrats vote the other way means either judge is doing something wrong. No, that means they may simply have different judicial philosophies. But how do you distinguish that judicial philosophy from political philosophy, I will concede, is not always easy. But there are cases in which it is apparent, like the one that I mentioned with Judge Ho. All right, Robert and Ed will be with me when we come back to finish up this hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we're back. Dave Ellswick Show, sitting here with us, is uh, Ed Monk. He's been with us. Uh, he was supposed to be here on, until four, he's staying until five because good. he had some good questions today. Yeah. I'm filibustering. Came to be, <laughs> he's filibustering. Rob came today to be in this hour. He was going to do five, but I'll be gone at five because I'm heading home. Good. Uh, we're going to repeat the first hour, which you'll love because Liz Harrington is going to be on again. Right. But the uh, Thursdays, I go see movies so I can talk to you about them tomorrow. And I'm seeing two tonight. I'm seeing Jumanji 2, uh-huh. and then I'm walking out of Jumanji 2, and 20 minutes later, I will watch Star Wars 9. Oh, wow. So, I saw I saw Midway, by the way. Did you like it? I did like it very much. It's a great movie, it's isn't it? It's a great it? movie. Makes, makes you proud to be an American. Indeed. They Indeed. Did, they, did, did you like those things about John Ford, you know, the du- yeah. great movie director? Yeah, yeah he was I in, thought that was interesting yeah. that they put that in there. Yeah. He was on Midway making a a propaganda film is what right. he was doing, and he was there because they didn't figure they'd see any action. Right, and they're they're standing on top of a a, a very visible and open area when the zeros come in on the first pass on Midway Island, and they just about got their head shot off. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a very good movie. Yeah, if you if you get a chance to see it, go yeah. see it. I suggest you know now I think it's probably out of most theaters. Uh, you know, see it on the biggest TV you can watch it on. Because the C- yeah. I just saw it in the theater yesterday, I know. two days ago. Oh, is it still is yeah. it over? Oh, yeah. Where is it at? Breckenridge. Oh, it's at Breckenridge. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You need to go see it, Ed. Yeah. You'd really like it. Oh, it's, yeah. Well, great, you're a military guy, so you'll yeah, really like it's, it. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. And what, what's great about it, it's not like that, that really hokey Pearl Harbor they did a few years no, back. No, it's not with the love story. They and started all that, yeah. off with... with it was fighting. Uh, with the, the whole thing at uh, Pearl Harbor, and the way they do it is awesome. It's very good. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. You're watching this little boy sitting at the table, and his plate starts shaking. 
Smith's a play. There was, you know, I mean, it's almost 400 zeros come zero and then on mid on uh, Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor. Right. And uh, they get, it, it's pretty gruesome in parts. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. They're, they're real about that. Tom Longfellow, I told this story uh, a few weeks ago. Tom Longfellow was a, a, a salesman I worked with at the other radio station I used to work with. And he had a torpedo plane model that hang that would hang over his cubicle. Mm-hmm. And I got into a discussion with him one day asking him about it. And he was the rear seater guy. The what? The rear seater? Yeah, yeah. he wow. was one of the guys sat back with the machine gun right. trying right. to keep the other planes off your tail right. while you're flying in trying to drop this torpedo on a, on a ship. He was at Midway. Wow. You realize, and I didn't realize that he was only one of the three planes that survived that first one pass. of every three yeah yeah unbelievable yeah i have he he passed away a few years ago but he was one of my favorite people he yeah. and i he just kept he whenever i was getting ready to go on the air he'd always say dave keep telling them the truth exactly and that's what i do i do that's right. that's what we're doing here today i mean yeah we're docking around some stuff and you might go oh, this you know what's so important about it i'm telling you it's important because it could happen well, all of this analysis about the impeachment is actually uh, quite important. In the end of the day, s- since we know what the numbers are, Trump is not going to be convicted. Uh, and no, that's a good not. thing. Uh, but nonetheless, the Democrats really have changed the dynamic historically. It, it will never be the same again. Now, some people alleged that occurred already with Clinton. No, I don't think that's true. Yeah, and to be clear, I said earlier in today's show that I was not a big fan at the time of what ha- was happening with Clinton. But there was enough to distinguish it that even if you didn't like it, you could articulate it as not being an entirely political process. This has been entirely political. Well, here's the thing about Clinton. Clinton broke the law. I understand that. Here's right. what you had to decide. And I think it was bad, to be clear. I don't yeah. want to minimize here's that. Here's what was important. Was it important enough to drag the country through impeachment? That, that was, and, and that was I where said I no. Yeah, and as did I, as did I. Uh, that's exactly right. Uh, but because impeachment is scorched earth. That's right. That's right. And so that's why I had even at the time, even though I take that charge very seriously. In fact, because I'm a lawyer, so it kind of perhaps means a little bit more to me than it might to the average Joe. That notwithstanding, I still didn't think it rose to the standard that you well articulated. Uh, but here, there's nothing. There's nothing. There's no standard. There's nothing. No. It's make believe. Yeah, they made it up. Obstruction of Congress. Right. What the right. hell was that? I mean, right. for for well, God's sakes. The, hey, and we've already talked about this. You have separation of powers. Dave, I, obstruction of Congress. I, I I'm looking to obstruct Congress. The more they do, the the more the worse off we are. I, I, I'd like but Congress. who does Congress think that I they? Know. No, I'm just saying. I know. I'm who does Congress yeah. think that they are? Right. That they can say we have the power have the to compel right. the president to do what we say because With, the right. president has powers right. too. With no judicial review, they just use that as an excuse to, to create an articles of impeachment. That's right. That's right. We've got to understand. Theater. Right. What the Constitution is well, all about. It, it's sort of like what I said, and maybe in the last couple of seconds, Ed may have a comment about when the, the Navy was trying to basically screw over that 
seal who was acquitted on all but one charges. I'm not saying he didn't do the other stuff. I don't have a clue. But what I can tell you is he was acquitted. And then they said, well, he still was essentially unbecoming. Um, you know yeah, what? Yeah, because he posed with the corpse. Because he posed with the corpse. And therefore should lose his trident pin. Mm. It sounds like a little payback to me. Okay. Ed, what do you think? No, I think it was clearly... Listen, we're in charge. Yeah. And we don't like what you did. Right. And and if you won or lost, we don't care. That's right. All right. We're out of time. Ed Monk, thank you so much. Anytime, Dave. Appreciate you being on. Robert, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Always always fun to be here. God bless. Be back with you tomorrow, two o'clock. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.